couple weeks ago, my wife Corey and I were coming back from a trip, and we had flown back into the Atlanta airport. And uh, when we came back in, we got into our car, and we were driving back north on the interstate. And something crazy happened that happens from time to time with my brain. I thought about something that was between where I was and where I was headed. I was headed home, but I knew where I was at, and so I was thinking, I've got a pretty good sense of direction. I, I know that there is something in between where I'm at and where I'm headed. And so it was like as if, you know, I was like in some kind of Google car or like Apple car that they're making or something that like just takes control of the vehicle. Like I wasn't driving any longer. Like something took over the car. And immediately we got off at an exit that I knew like we don't live off this exit. Why, why are we getting off here? And then the car made a turn at the end of the ramp and I was like, well, I don't know what's happening right now. And Corey started to get a little scared. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I, I'm not controlling the vehicle any longer. And we got, it's not funny. It's serious. It was, my life was in danger. And we got to a red light. And when we got to that red light, the car made a turn. And at this point, like I'm freaking out. And I was about to do one of those like action movie things where I like open the door and roll and like, but I was like, I bruise like a peach, so I don't want to do that. And so, so I decided, okay, I'm just going to trust that the car knows what it's doing. And so then the car made one final turn. And when it did, this is what I saw. <laughs> if you are not familiar with this sign, this is the Krispy Kreme hot now sign. And let me just tell you, it's a little bit of heaven. We, we were sitting in the drive-thru line there at Krispy Kreme, and uh, we, were, we were actually on our way somewhere, so we couldn't go in and, and gorge ourselves there. So we decided we're going to go through the drive-thru and gorge ourselves in the car. And so we found on our phones a coupon for buy one dozen, get one dozen free. So obviously we bought four dozen. And... <laughs> The sign was on, and if you don't know what that means, that means that the donuts are hot now. <laughs> so, like, we opened up a dozen, and when I say they were hot, like, they were hot. Like, like they were that, like, they just touch your tongue and disintegrate hot. Like, it was just like, thank you, Jesus, for whoever invented sugar and glaze and, like, the yeast. I mean, look, it was amazing, Right? Now, I don't have Krispy Kreme today, but I do have Dunkin' Donuts, and man, these look good. Like, I'm just pause for a second. Don't boo me. If you're listening on podcast, I'm eating a donut on stage. And this is amazing. But here's the thing. I have an unhealthy affection toward donuts. Like, it, like literally unhealthy, no pun intended affection toward donuts. And there are all different kinds of donuts. You know this, right? There are glazed donuts. There are powdered donuts. There are chocolate-covered donuts, strawberry-covered donuts. And then there are these, like, wonders of the world here, filled donuts. Like, Sean's about to get saved back here in the back. <laughs> like, <clears throat> they have donuts like this. And on the inside of the donut is even more goodness. Because they have filled, they have filled this donut with chocolate, yes. right? So in this donut is chocolate. So like it's not enough just to have glaze. Pardon me right here. I'm just having a moment. It's not enough just to eat glazed donut. I am eating glazed donut 
with chocolate in it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Listen, listen. I don't really have a sweet tooth. Like, I'm not a big dessert guy. You can ask my wife. I'm not a big dessert guy. I can eat a donut anytime, anywhere. The only thing better to me in my life than glazed donut with chocolate in it is a bacon wrap filet. Like, that's the only thing better. That's the only thing better. So if I were to sit down in a meal with a bacon wrap filet and a loaded baked potato and a glazed donut with chocolate in it, I'd probably have a heart attack as soon as it was over. But man, on my way to heaven, I'd be like, thank you, Jesus, for one last meal. Because they can fill a donut with anything, right? I mean, they can put chocolate in it. They can put, you know, some kind of custard in it. They can put lemon in it. They can put, you know, berry, blackberry, strawberry. They can put, I mean, almost anything in a donut is good. Now, notice I said almost anything. I realize not everything in a donut is good. But almost anything in a donut is better than just a plain donut. Because it enhances the experience, right? I mean, it, it takes what is already great, and there's something else on the inside that once you start working through it, once you start biting into it, once you really start enjoying it, you actually find that there is something even more for you to enjoy. And so today as we continue in, thank you so much. Look at this guy. Thank you so much. He didn't want to see me licking my fingers the whole time I was up here. But as we continue our series today, we're talking about the essentials and we're talking about our soul and our strength. And this really comes out of a conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader in Luke chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, you can flip there with me to Luke chapter 10. Over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about this conversation that Jesus had with this religious leader, this expert of the law. And what we saw is that this man was asking Jesus, really to test him a little bit, but he was asking Jesus, how, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Like, what is the, the, the process by which I am able to kind of find life after death? What do I have to do to get to the next phase of life with you or whatever? And so Jesus, instead of answering himself, turns it back to the other guy and says, well, what do you think the answer is? What, what, what have you heard? And he, and he answers in Luke chapter 10, Verse 27, this is what he says. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the first week we talked about our heart and we said that our heart really was our will. We were loving God with our will. And that's the thing that kind of directs our life. It guides our life. And so we said that we really were giving God our heart and our will and our desires. Last week, Pastor Mark, as our senior pastor, he was here and he spoke to us about loving God with all of our mind, those thoughts and feelings that we have and how we direct those to God. And so today I want to look at soul and strength. And the first week, what we talked about is that our soul is really our spirit. It's that part inside of us that's unseen, but it's the thing inside of us that even though we can't see it, it really is the core, the centrality of who we are. Dallas Willard is a great author. He wrote a book. He wrote several books, um, but this one called Renovation of the Heart really speaks a lot about some of the material that we've been talking about in this series. I read this in preparation for this series, and this is what he says in the book related to our souls. He says, what is running your life at any given moment is your soul, not external circumstances or your thoughts or your intentions or even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. It is the life center of the human being. 
Now, our souls are kind of like the filling inside of the donut. It goes unseen most of the time. It's not something that you see all of the time, but it gives us really that flavor of life. And so I want you to think about this. And if you can try to maybe evaluate the health of your own soul, you think about it like this. When our souls are connected to God, when our souls are healthy, when our souls are at peace, when our souls are really clean and refreshed and restored, Man, it is like this chocolate filling inside of the donut. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. It just comes out and it, it adds to the experience. Everything that we do has a better flavor. It has a better taste. Everything that we do is impacted by that in a positive way. I mean, it is amazing to watch when that happens. We're kind. We're considerate. We're joy-filled. We're forgiving. Like when our souls are healthy, even though it's on the inside of us, when our souls are healthy, when we're at peace with God, when we're connected to God, man, if somebody does something wrong to us, how do we respond? We say, you know what? It's okay. I mean, I've made mistakes too. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Let's work through it, right? Something bad happens to us. We're still able to maintain a sense of joy in our lives. We're considerate. We're kind. We're, we're patient because our soul, the part inside of us is at peace with God. It's connected to a God who responds to us in the same way. Now, maybe evaluate your soul and you say, well, man, but my soul's probably not that healthy. It's not really at peace with God. It's not connected to God. It, it's, it's, it's unseen, but man, it, it finds its way out every now and then. It would almost be like instead of chocolate being in here, if like used motor oil would be in here, right? That's nasty. You just bite into a donut. You're like, what, what, what is that, right? You got this gag reflex and it'd be terrible. Maybe not a gag reflex. Maybe you would just gag on. I mean, you, you'd get sick, right? But that's what happens when our soul, the inside of us, which is almost always unseen, begins to come out. Something happens. We're no longer kind and considerate. We're mean and we're short-tempered and we're prideful. We're judgmental. We're critical. And we get embarrassed when that part on the inside of us begins to come out to the outside of us because we want it just to stay inside. We assume that we can keep the exterior the way we want people to perceive us, the way we want people to see us. And so we work so hard to take care of making the outside look clean and good and shiny and glazed. And man, it looks nice because I would still pick this up and I would not know that there's used motor oil filling this glazed donut until I take a bite until I engage it, until I'm a part of doing something where I take this up and man, it's like, okay, I want to experience this. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to talk to you. I want to do some things with you. Let's do life together. And here's what I noticed pretty quickly in that interaction. Your soul is not healthy. My soul is not healthy. Because what I see once we're interacting, once we're engaging, once, once we're sharing life together, once I see inside of you a little more, not just what's on the outside, I see that judgmental, critical, prideful, unforgiving soul spirit inside of you. Because when I'm looking at the exterior of you, you can hide a lot of things. But when I get to see to the inside of you, I see the chaos and the things that are hurt. You know, when I was doing some research for this message and I was reading a lot of different things and a lot of different resources that would help me to understand the soul a little better. I saw all this different imagery about a peace-filled soul being like this calm, winding stream. 
You know, you think about that. Maybe you've read some things like that. Maybe you've seen that. Somebody else has talked about it. But where our soul is just this calm, just kind of, it's a stream that just kind of works smoothly, stays within the banks, and does what it's exactly supposed to do. It's almost as if it was carved out by the finger of God into the earth and filled by his spirit, filled by his presence. And it's calmly flowing. We see that imagery a little bit in Psalm 23 when it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. But for so many of us, we can't find peace and harmony with God because our souls are not this picture of this peace-filled stream flowing as God directs. Instead, our souls are this churning, tornado, hurricane kind of storm on the inside of us that is affecting everything that we are. And then we hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, when he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ can give rest to our souls. If our lives are this hard work. I'm not talking about working hard on our job. I'm not talking about life not being something that has its challenges. But man, if our souls are constantly in a state of frenzy, if our, if our souls are constantly working hard, if our souls are constantly in disrepair, Jesus says, come to me, learn from me. You will find rest for your soul. Just sit in that for a moment. Just rest in that for a moment. What would it feel like for our souls to be at rest? Now let's pause that and let's talk about our strength. We said in week one that our strength was our behavior and our actions. It wasn't the chocolate on the inside of the donut. It was the glaze on the outside. It was the part that you could see. It was the things that you and I do on a daily basis. It was the, the, the stuff that everybody gets to see. It's how we respond. It is that kindness or that mean-spiritedness. It is that forgiveness or that unforgiveness. It's our behaviors and our actions. And what we see is that while our soul is internal and hidden, our behavior is very much on display, that behavior that everyone can observe. We see a couple of places in the New Testament where the writers are talking to us about the way that we are behaving. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In this passage, we see that our minds are a part of that, our, our, our will is a part of that, and our behavior follows suit unless we choose to let our behavior follow the customs of the world. 2 Corinthians 12 and 20 says, for I am afraid, Paul's talking here about when he comes to visit, that when I come, I won't like what I find and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling and jealousy and anger and selfishness and slander and gossip and arrogance and disorderly behavior. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. What we're seeing is that the exterior of our lives can also be nasty. Like it doesn't just have to be this inside, this used motor oil type of filling. Man, what if instead of sugar, what if instead of glaze, you coated your donut in sweat? Right? That's nasty. 
Now you got a sweat glazed, motor oil filled donut. Some of you are like, man, I, earlier I was hungry. Now I'm just sick to my stomach. But what we see is that the outside of us can also be nasty. Right? Our actions and our behavior. You ever met somebody like you were standing behind them in line and they were just giving the girl behind the counter what for? I mean, they were, they were yelling. It wasn't her fault. She didn't do anything wrong. And yet, man, they're just going at her like she could do something to fix this issue that corporate is actually the one responsible. You ever been in like, somebody in traffic? Like you're just minding your own business, right? You're not even doing anything. You're staying in your life. You haven't tried to get over. You always use your turn signal. You are going the exact speed limit. Like you, and that person cuts you off and screams at you like you did something, right? Just nastiness. Somebody on your job, you find out that there's a job opening and, you know, everybody's been invited to put in their resume if they want to do it. And you put, you give your resume to, to this guy, he's going to go and take it. And you find out he took your resume and threw it in the trash so that he would get the job. All these are just small examples or like hypothetical stories. But you ever met somebody that they're, that outside, their behaviors, their actions are just nasty. Right? They're just, it's just ugliness. When you look at it, you don't have anything that's appealing about the outside, the structure there. Their behaviors are evil, nasty, messy, ugly, sinful. And so when we look at that, we look at our strength, we look at the things on the outside of us, we don't even have to worry about our souls for a moment. Let's just look at what we're doing with the outside of us. It's just this nasty ugliness. And sometimes we say, well, it's a combination of things. I don't always act that way, but every now and then, man, I cut somebody off in traffic or I think they cut me off and I give them what for. Man, you know, I was... The, the cash register didn't give me all the change back. And I, I don't want to act like that. But man, that girl should be able to open that cash register and give me my money back. And so sometimes it's like, so it's, it's almost like it's half glazed, half sweat, right? I mean, it's just, there's a little bit of everything going on in there. It's just a little bit of mixture in who we are. But here's what I think a lot of us fall into this trap. I'm guilty of this. I think what we tend to do from time to time, putting all these things together, is we've got these issues on the outside of us, these behaviors and these actions, which we know are nasty, evil, ungodly. They're not nice. They're just unkind. We, we know those things are happening on the outside of us to some extent. And then we know on the inside of us that there are some things that are churning. It's not this peaceful stream. It's this hurricane. It's this chaos. It's not connected to God. It's not peaceful. And so we know all those things. Which one of those is easier to solve? The outside, right? We can just try to be nicer. We, 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 we're fighting with our spouse, and so what do we do? We just, we, we, we count to 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You're right. I'm sorry. Right? Like we just, we're going to slow down, and we're going to say nicer words, and we're going to choose not to say the mean words. We're going to change the way. We're going to change our tone. We're, we're going to listen a little more actively. What I hear you saying is, like we're going to try our best to try to figure out how can we change the conversation, the, the context, the scope. Let's make it a little deeper than that. Say, well, okay, I've got this addictive behavior in my life. I've got this external, exterior type of behavior in my life, whatever it is. We say, well, how, how, do, I, how do I fix that? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to wear the patch. I'm going to chew the gum. I'm, I'm going to put the software on the computer. I'm going to, like, I'm going to do the things externally to address the external behavior and action of my life that is not what I want it to be. 
And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But I would contend, and I'm not a counselor, so please don't hear what I'm not saying today. I would contend that every single external behavior or action is connected to some type of internal soul peace. I, I think the research is there. I think the, the examples are there. I think the study has been done across the board for a number of years in a lot of different contexts. That instead of trying to solve the external, we should turn our attention internally. That we should try to address why we get angry, not that we get angry. It's not the words and the word choices that are most important. It is the motivation for our anger. Why do we have such a short temper? Where in our past did we feel like we were being threatened? And so this natural response out of us now is that this is how we respond anytime we feel threatened. What is the lack in our life what is the pattern in our life if we trace it back, if we try to find almost that lowest common denominator, that place in our past, that place in our history where we were looking for acceptance, we were looking for some void to be filled, and so we fell into an addictive pattern of behavior. And now it's, it's not about trying to just break the pattern. We have to get to the soul place where it started. It's not about trying to clean up the exterior. It's not trying to make the outside look better. It's trying to figure out how do I get to the inside of me? How do I address that part inside of me which is unseen but is driving everything that I do? He said we must live with our soul and our strength. All of that loving God. There's a unity in that. Not just our heart, not just our mind, but our soul and our strength. There is something that happens when those two things come together as we pursue God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. But see, if I approach God and I say to God, God, I've, I've cleaned up the outside of me. I, I, I'm working to fix that stuff on the outside. I'm working on my behavior and my actions. And so, God, now um, I need you to do something on the inside of me. I need you to fix the inside of me because I've fixed the outside. Then what I've done is I've said to God, it's more important that I approach you as if I've got it all together. It's more important that I approach you as if everything's okay. Instead of coming to God and saying, God, I'm a mess. The outside of me is messed up. The inside of me is messed up. My soul, my spirit is disconnected from you. It's in chaos. It's in dis There is something that is disconnected from you, God, and it is affecting my behavior and my actions. And I've tried to change my behavior and change my actions, but until we get the soul part of us worked out, until I work on the inside of me, God, until you do a healing work in my soul, nothing can ever change on the outside of me. I think that's why a lot of us struggle to worship. Not just sing. Not, not just in this moment where we, the songs are going on. I'm talking about like worship with our lives. Where the writer in the New Testament talks about our lives being a living sacrifice. Offering to God all of us in worship. Because if my worship does not start on the inside of me, then it is only external worship. Right? It just means like if the song is really, really good, like if it's one of my favorites, then I'm going to sing. I'm going to worship. If the circumstances are good, if today is good, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to pray. If, if, 
if life's going in a good direction, then I have no problem honoring God with my life. When things are bad, I can't do that. Because it's all about the external. The circumstances are now impacting my worship. Everything around me determines if I will or if I won't, if I can or if I can't. Then listen to the words of King David. He says, I'm about to fall. In Psalm 103. This is what it says in Psalm 103. This is, this is beautiful. I'm going to read the entire chapter, 22 verses. So just buckle up here, okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commands. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. When I read this, I believe what we see in this writing from King David, what I believe we see from God the Father is that he doesn't want us to live outside in. He doesn't want us to worship from the outside in. He wants us to worship from the inside out. We just sang about it. That we give to God our souls. We give to God the inside of us and say, God, if you will take my soul, if you will heal my soul, if you will forgive my soul, if you will help my soul to be at peace and at rest, then if God, we can get the soul right, then the strength comes. If you do a word study of the word strength throughout Scripture, what you find is that sometimes we're strong and sometimes we're weak. It says, in my, in my strength. And then it says, my strength is fading God, when I am strong, God, give me strength. But we don't have to just read Scripture. We know that's the case because our strength is circumstantial. It's when we're tired or when we're rested. It's when things are going good or things are going bad. But the soul on the inside of us has the ability to be connected to a God so that it never has to change. It can always be connected to Him. 
I worship God from the inside of me and the worship on the outside of me responds as well. So I, I just wrote some things down as I was studying this week. When my soul leads my worship, it doesn't matter what the song is. When my soul leads my worship, it doesn't matter my circumstances. Your soul can make the sickness in your body worship. Your soul can make the addiction in your flesh worship. Your soul can make the depression that you can't get out of worship. Your soul can make the sadness that you feel worship. Your soul can make your broken heart worship. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It's almost as if when my worship begins in my soul, on its way out of my body to be connected to God, it just grabs a hold of my flesh and says, come on. <laughs> come on, let's, let's, let's get to God. Let's get to the place where we worship and honor God with everything that we are. And I would contend today, I would say with as pure a heart as possible, that if I would quit worrying so much about what I looked like on the outside, if I would quit being so focused on how shiny and good and appealing I am to those who may see me, and I would focus more on what's inside of me, that I would be a healthier, more peace-filled, more joy-filled, more forgiving, more contented person. Because I wouldn't just be working from a place of circumstance. I wouldn't just be coming to God from a place of if it feels right, if I like the song, if I don't like the song, if this day started right, if traffic was okay, if people on my job are nice to me, if my kids are fine and I'm getting along with my... I don't know, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And on the way out, God, out of my soul, out of my heart, out of the inside of me, God, just grab a hold of my flesh, grab a hold of my strength. Let my behaviors and my actions come along for the ride. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. You can change your behaviors and your actions and still have an unhealthy soul. But if you get a healthy soul, your behaviors and your actions always, always reflect that health. I want us to pray today and ask God not just to change our behavior, not just to change our actions, but God, heal our soul, restore our soul, cleanse our soul, forgive our soul, the stuff that nobody sees but you, God. I'm asking you to take anything out of it that doesn't honor you, that doesn't please you, that doesn't reflect you. And God, as you do that work, I pray for the health clean, the righteous standing, the soul part of me would just so much mirror who you are that then my behavior and my actions come along behind. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you give to us your word. You help us to wrestle with this idea of loving you with our soul, loving you with our strength. And today, God, if nothing else, I pray for every single one of us that we would quit focusing so much on just changing our exterior, just changing our behavior, just changing our actions, 
And God, we would focus on making our soul right with you. I believe when we do that, our lives will reflect you in every way. God, I pray for every person in this room that doesn't know you. They may look great on the outside. A lot of people may think they have it together. But God, today I pray that if they know that their soul isn't right with you, that they would make it right.